1: Welcome to another exciting edition of the Thoughts Police. It is that time of the week once more where we roll around uh, the idea that Boris Johnson is in fact still in charge of the country. Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan's is here with me. Very good afternoon to you, Kev. Hello, um, I put out a tweet yesterday in which I pondered the question, would we be better off with a cardboard cutout of Boris Johnson because I found one on the internet for about £12.50. It'd be a lot cheaper, wouldn't he? Because since he can't seemingly operate... Uh, well, um, the
2: cardboard cutout would be better at yeah, Zoom.
1: Yeah, well, the cardboard cut-out would be better at Zoom. Um, also, you wouldn't matter if you couldn't hear what he was saying oh, because really? he hasn't got much to say anyway. He did an entire press conference stroke speech to Parliament without actually saying anything.
2: I know. Last night's uh, great announcement to the nation was, basically, there will be an announcement on Thursday. Yeah. These are psychological tricks. There's yeah. no doubt about it
0: now.
1: Also, yeah. I was told today by John Rental that he didn't believe a word of the actual... Um, you know, Wi-Fi falling over, that you actually think thought that Boris... And, I mean, this is quite a serious allegation yes. for a proper political writer to, to make. That he avoid scrutiny He actually from deliberately yeah. went off air so
2: he wouldn't have to face people like Graham Brady. Yeah, Graham Brady was the next question. Mm. Funny it crashed then, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, it's either that, and that's disgraceful, or the other disgraceful possibility is that this befuddled old git can't use Zoom.
1: <laughs> well, how about Downing Street gets a slightly better piece of machinery. I mean, Dan Wooden said this. He said, well, surely they could get him a sort of microphone which is broadcast ready. Surely they could put him into a studio in Downing Street. Surely they could produce some kind of green screen. I mean, Mm -hmm. these things are not that difficult to do.
2: Well, uh, as John Rental pointed out on your show this morning, uh, in the past, they have actually run cables from Parliament to Number yeah. 10 Downing Street. It's only 350 metres. Yeah. So why didn't they do that? To make sure they had a connection. But that tends to make you suspect that he deliberately wanted I And mean, You can't imagine if they were
1: doing this from the Oval Office in the United States of America, that it would look like that. Sound like that?
2: Yeah, it's just you can't. It's you Toy co- town you, stuff. You couldn't make it up Oh, I press mute. Mute's not what mute. Stop, mute. Oh, yeah. I can't set you the prime minister. I know. You know.
1: I know. It's really quite, quite.
2: Uh, but there, as you say, Mike. Uh, uh, then he went on to address the nation later on in the uh, evening and uh, said nothing, mm. precisely nothing right. except this sophistry that uh, we, I'm very happy to announce that after a month of lockdown we will be coming out of lockdown on December the 3rd so go another and one. here's a new thing, it's a different kind of lockdown it's called Tier 3. Yes. I mean this is just a lockdown by any other name.
1: It's just like, keep calling it, next they'll be doing one of those fire bricks, yeah, fire bricks in yeah. Wales, you know, haven't used that one yet. Uh,
2: yeah, and by the way, we're, we're, suddenly, so we've been talking about Christmas, suddenly last night, Easter's yeah. in the frame. Right. This is endless, right. endless. I
1: know it's bas- basically bonkers, isn't it? But let's move away from Boris for a moment because I've got to ask you about Fulham. Because by bizarre <laughs> coincidence, right on Saturday night, we were watching something, um, and we, we stopped watching it. anyway. So I found myself in front of the TV on my own, watching Match of the Day, and um, I saw this remarkable penalty. Yeah, there's the second. Now, this is the second week in a row. That somebody from Fulham yeah. has managed to completely fluff a penalty.
2: Well, when it, uh, uh, Edmola Lookman uh, last week uh, took the worst penalty ever taken by anyone ever right. in football. Right. Uh, absolutely pathetic. Basically, chipped it into, chipped the, it into uh, the goalkeeper's arms arms. of the waiting this, arms of the this goalkeeper. This week, Ivan Cavaliero, <laughs> who was brought in. I to, thought this one was worse. Uh, yeah, he f- tripped over before yeah. he hit the ball, and it went skied it over the bar. Yeah. You have to remember, with Fulham, we have a long and noble. Uh, Tradition of missing penalties. Mm. Three, se- three seasons ago, four seasons ago, uh, we made it to the playoffs but lost in the playoffs. Uh, but uh, we would have got automatically be promoted had we not that season have missed ten no, penalties. No, really, the t- missing penalties is an absolute sickness at my. Well, fucking you're turning it into an
1: art form at the moment because this one was fantastic. I mean, everyone remembers the John Terry slip um, yeah. in in that uh, Champions yeah. League final, yeah. right? which was unfortunate for him, but somehow it wasn't as bad as this one. Yeah. This one, because not only did he slip, yeah. as, and so he didn't just miss kick it slightly, he kind of ballooned it over the bar yeah, or something, yeah. didn't
2: he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but yeah, he slipped and then sort of scooped yeah. his foot under the. But, I mean, to be fair to him, it wasn't really his fault. I suppose sometimes you do slip up, ask Stevie Gerrard. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was a disgusting uh, and revolting result. Uh, but I was uh, actually on air on Sunday when that game right. started, about midday. Right. Uh, so I said to the boys, right, get the match on in the studio. Right. So I was sitting there with an eye on it. I mean, the kickoff came in. It and was I'm a bad in, idea. I'm in the middle of an interview and uh, Everton scored after 30 seconds. Uh, I kind of lost my thread a bit. <laughs> I'm not surprised.
1: Absolutely right. But, you know, the funny thing is, is that people talk about penalties all the time. And there used to be that school of thought where was oh, no point in practising a penalty because you can't recreate the uh, situation. Well, yes, you can't recreate the situation. Although, at the moment, there is no situation because there's no crowd. There's no baying sort of supporters from behind the goal, you know, wishing you dead or anything like that. So, actually, you can practice penalties and you can keep kicking the ball into the net so that when you actually do have to try and kick the ball into the net, you can do it.
2: Well, I gather that Ivan Caballero, who was brought in as our new penalty taker after the disaster of the last one, and by the way, that's after Mitrovic missed a penalty the week right. before against. Sheffield United. So, so Mit- it's just
1: the third week in a row that Fulham missed a penalty. Yeah, yeah. so Mitro... Mitro
2: um, That's a pretty good uh, statistic. Or well, the third match in a row because of the, the international yeah. break. But Mitro lost his confidence so he didn't want to do it again because he missed one against Serbia right. football playing for Serbia as well. So they bring in Lukman. He fucks it up royally. Right. So apparently <laughs> all last week Ivan Cavaliero has been practising penalties. A lot of fucking good that there did. There must be something uh, to it, mustn't there? Because I think it, it's probably a Psychological note, If yeah.
1: you do think you're going to miss It you're gonna miss it,
2: it's that simple. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, we've got a problem there, uh, but we've got lots of problems. But isn't that
1: why it's really? I mean, I find this quite interesting when you look at individual sportsmen and people like Wayne Rooney, who's taken a lot of flack over the years for all sorts of things, but he's got a very kind of um, concentrated mind, so that no matter what's going on in his private life, no matter what's being said to him on the pitch he's always kind of at the at the races isn't he
2: yeah some players uh, can do that some players can rise above anything else that's mm. going on but there is definitely at fulham now a kind of collective Psychological problem when it comes to taking penalties, right. and it dates back uh, way before this right. season. As I just well, explained. they're going to have
1: to do something about it, though. Isn't he the old manager? He's going to have yeah. to get them out there and just go like, "We're just going to kick penalties into the into the fucking goal yeah. for the rest of the
2: week." Well, uh, I don't want to d- dwell too much on our penalty problems and Fulham and all that, but uh, one last point. So we have a young manager who I think is pretty good, uh, Scott Parker, yeah. for- former player. And well, all he was that. a decent player, wasn't yeah, he? a decent player and, and a, g- a good little guy, a good manager, I think. Uh, not, I would say the most uh, intellectual man on the flesh. That's the not planet. what you need. Uh, but he, uh, so after Lookman fucked that penalty up, he goes, because Lookman's like 21, 22 years mm. old. <laughs> so, uh, don't forget, that's right at the end of the game. Very mm. crucial point. We could yeah. have equalised. And uh, Parker goes, well, the, boy, uh, the boy's made a mistake. He knows that. He'll learn from it. The boy... Uh, could have done better, but the boy will learn from that. He's very young, and I'm thinking, well, if he's a boy and he's very fucking young, why did you get him to take the fucking penalty, <laughs> you
1: fucking fucking idiot? Well, he wanted to teach him a lesson, obviously. Fuck
2: bloody people in football, they're so stupid. Well, they
1: can be, yeah. yeah. But anyway, that's enough of your personal grief. <laughs> that's another personal, my pain personal misery for yeah. the moment. Let's talk a little bit about um, uh, America because today. For the first time, we're seeing uh, reports from the US of A uh, that Trump has basically conceded, not quite in the way that maybe he was meant to and not completely sort of, you know, full concession speech time. But he has now agreed that, uh, that Biden for the moment is the winner. And he will take part in this transition process, which releases money to Joe Biden, who I'm rather not surprised to say uh, seems to be rehiring all the bozos that were in the Barack Obama White House.
2: Of course he does. I think that uh, Trump's tactic is this. I suspect he's got something out of Georgia. He's yeah. got something to show the yeah. American people. Look, yeah. here's an example of the voter fraud that yeah. was going on. I say it was going on in a lot of yeah. other states as but well. But we can't prove But it. if he's got one bit of evidence, yeah. then he can bow out with some dignity saying, yeah. look, I wasn't lying. Yeah. So... Uh, and I think he's right now to finally kind of concede. Yeah. Uh, because he well, needs- it was going very dry, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, he needs to uh, bow out of the White House uh, with dignity. Mm. And then I am in mean, no doubt he will launch his, or already has really, launch his campaign to be the next president of the United States. Do you First think? United I mean, I'm not so.
1: sure he'll want to do that. But yeah. I mean, I, I certainly think he'll want to be a thorn in the side of Biden, yeah. which won't be difficult to do, by the
2: way. Yeah. By the way, I've be, been thinking, uh, how am I going to spend that 10 quid that Mike Graham owes me? That bet. <laughs> 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 well, as I said to you, until the actual fat lady yeah. <laughs> sings, you will not be
1: getting any of my money, so I reckon you'll be waiting until January.
2: did you just talking to people who are Welsh on bets? I'm, yeah. I'm sure you wouldn't Welsh. I certainly uh, wouldn't. Um, and I don't care if you do, actually. But... Um, uh, Boris Johnson once bet uh, Max Hastings, when Max Hastings was his editor, they had a thousand quid bet on something. I can't remember what the topic was. It was something similar to us. It was a political thing. Bet you they don't do this. And they did do it. Uh, And Max said, "Uh, you owe me a thousand quid. And Boris uh, sent him an envelope saying, please find enclosed my cheque for £1,000. An empty... <laughs> really? nothing in there. Really? He's no tourist. Apparently, he's, See, nev- now, he's look, never been seen to buy a drink, ever, in the history of his isn't life. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. You know, it,
1: as, as you learn more and more about s- some people, mm. they surprise you less and less, don't yeah, they? yeah. Because that's the kind of thing you would expect. Because whenever you meet... It's like people that I meet, and you've played a bit of golf in your time. People who cheat at golf. Yes. You kind of go... You're not really cheating me. You're now cheating yourself.
2: What is the point? You know, if you're going
1: to finish, I mean, when I used to play, I've told this story before, I used to play in this European Press Golf Association with my, with my dad when I was a bit younger. And there was this old German guy um, whose name was something like Ralph, somebody or other. Um, and you'd literally not see him from the tee to the green. And, <laughs> and he'd he would say four. And he'd go, "Fumf." Everything was Fumf. He became known as Ralph Fumf because everything was five. He almost, Whenever he putted in, and you'd be seen him hacking away in the woods, you know, he's taken at least ten shots to get out of the fucking woods, and he's got five. Yeah, the golfers, you know.
2: the golfers are more footballers than I mean, golfers. They're the ball And to be fair, that's or what or they say
1: about Trump, isn't Trump's it? Trump's the kicker of the ball, uh, yeah. kick, kicks the ball over. Um, and, you know, so we should talk actually about Ivor Key. Ivor Key, who you may or may our not remember. Our friend there from New um, York. Yeah, from New York. Did, and yeah. Paul Callan, two of our... Uh, old colleagues that passed away this week. Um, both legends? Both legends. Ivor Key was my best man, um, funnily enough, when I got married back in 1987 in New York. Yeah. And uh, he was one of the great kind of uh, miserable old gits, I think, that I've ever met. And he, he took great delight in it. I was talking to George Gordon over in the States about him, and he said that um, they'd basically... Um, taking his driver's licence off him, which was much to the delight of all Connecticut residents because of the danger he was causing on the <laughs> roads. But also, um, he didn't get on with most members of his family. But one of his daughters didn't speak to him, and I think the, the other one... Um, was that M- Melissa? Was Melissa, yeah. So she's you know? out in... She's working for Dr Phil now, apparently. Is she? Over in LA. Um, and uh, his other daughter, he did speak to but he didn't visit. You know, And he was just this very kind of crotchety, curmudgeonly, curmudgeonly Yorkshireman. Um, but, funny, very but a very funny, funny guy. Funny very guy, very guy. guy. Yeah. Um, he once said to me as we were driving, because we used to go and... I introduced them all to playing golf when I was living there. Yeah. And we used to drive up to um, this place called Delaware Water Gap. And on a Saturday morning, I, he was sitting in a car with me once. And you know how in Manhattan, if you drive at the right pace, yeah. all the lights just turn green yeah, at the same yeah, yeah. time. And we started to get theory. a little bit too quick. And we ended up stopping at one light. And this old guy was walking across the road very slowly um and Ivor just said to me you know the thing is he said I don't think I want to be living in Manhattan you know as I, when I get older and I get retired there's no place for, for old people and just as uh, he said that this guy sort of appears in front of the car and he winds the window down and goes get out of the way you old prick you know <laughs> and I sort of subbed him up really that he didn't care very much about anybody else at all but he was a great guy so we mourned his passing and Paul Callan um The father of Jessica Cutter, who used to work work for you as one of the 3M 3M girls. girls, Um, I mean, he was an incredible character. This was a guy who wrote colour pieces before anything had ever happened. I mean, he was famous for getting on a plane and sort of creating and crafting this beautiful piece of colourful writing and then working out whether or not that would actually tally with what had happened.
2: Yeah, he was an excellent writer. Uh, funny enough, I mean, Paul, great guy, great mm. guy. Every time, really funny guy. If you well. ever walked into a pub and Paul was sitting at yeah. the bar, you knew you were going to have some fun. Yeah. Uh, he was a guy of the old Fleet Street tradition uh, where he didn't let work get uh, too much in the way of his drinking mm. and his socialising, uh, but did crop up now and again to yeah. write great big spreads yes. in the paper. Uh but the, thing, the funny thing about what Paul specialised in brilliantly, which was colour writing, is it doesn't really exist anymore. No. Every paper had their star colour writer. So if there was a big news story, mm. even a court case, they'd send down the yeah. colour writer to depict it's it. To sort of craft it, with, yeah. with, with, with great writing. Right. And it's, I lament the passing yeah. of that because you don't get that anymore.
0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: And by the way, while we're talking about newspapers, what a disgrace these papers are being throughout this COVID crisis. The other day was two days ago. Christmas is on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I
2: what about the other four months that isn't on? Right. You know, this is a these. They're just lapping up this government propaganda bullshit, mm. swallowing it whole and regurgitating. it. Well, thank God it. for
1: the Daily Mail, to be honest, because it was down to them um, that the, um, the you know the, the Secretary of State for Health. And indeed, the the whole Department of Health were held up to ridicule with that ridiculous tweeting business at the weekend, where they they tweeted that this is a very misleading article. And what's even worse since then is the bozos who've kind of jumped on the bandwagon have started attacking the mail for using statistical information which wasn't accurate. One of them was an MP called O'Brien, I think his name was, and I was thinking to myself, well, I wish you were scrutinising government figures as much as you are scrutinising Daily Mail figures, because you'd find an awful lot of
2: misleading data there as well. And the most damning thing you need to know about that little saga was, of course, uh, when the Daily Mail complained to the Department of Health, Mm. uh, you prove that this article is misleading before you start posting that on Twitter. Mm. Guess what? The Department of Health deleted their tweet because they can't prove it in other words Ross Clark who wrote the show who wrote the I said show I'm hoping to get him on my show tonight uh, who wrote the article uh, um, uh, his article was absolutely true
1: yeah it was it was absolutely true and also those who are picking holes in it
2: are picking holes in one
1: graph yeah which uh, they say was based on incorrect information yeah. because it well, came let's, from somebody called some the, the statistics guy.
2: Let's go some, through some of the things that Ross wrote. Ross is a very respected journalist, yeah. writes for The Spectator. Uh, you know, he's not a yeah. red-top kind of fly merchant. Right. He writes proper sto- stories and great articles. He's an intel- intelligent man. Mm. Uh, what did he say? 53% of... Uh, the people who die from COVID are over 80, Mm -hmm. Uh, 95% of them who die from COVID have other conditions. Uh, In other words, the government and the Department of Health are grossly overstating Mm. the seriousness of the threat from COVID. And
1: also the argument about the beds, right, which is what some of them have picked holes in as well, Because you see these people and it's like, well, what exactly are you doing here? Why are you attacking the Daily Mail, which is, to all intents and purposes, one of the few newspapers which is actually looking into these figures and examining them and asking questions about them? Why are you suddenly attacking them rather than the government, which has led us down this merry path for the best part of the last eight months with hardly any scrutiny whatsoever from anybody in what you would call the mainstream media? But these people are so intent on disproving the Daily Mail because they think it's a fascist hate rag, you know, that they will go to any lengths to make out that they've got it wrong. And in fact, they haven't got it wrong. Most of these um, explanations that I've seen, have said things like, well, the reason, of course, that, um, you know, the, the the beds numbers are different is because they've included places like Moorfields Eye Hospital and they've included places like mental health units, which mm-hmm. wouldn't have COVID patients in them anyway. But also what they don't say is that, yeah, but the government's official figures on how COVID beds are filling up are also bollocks yeah, because yeah. what they're not telling you is that if there's only 10 COVID beds and you fill those up, you're at a crisis point, but you've got another 90 beds somewhere else which are not COVID beds, and And that's that's where all this kind of delusional stuff goes on.
2: And the Nightingale hospitals have never been more than 1.5% no. full. Well, most uh, of them were never used at all. Hospital uh, occupation uh, is below average mm. for this time of year. Yeah. Uh, all of these uh, statistics are shocking, given that the government is telling us we're in the middle of a dreadful pandemic akin to the bubonic plague. We so fucking aren't.
1: Well, I think they should be told that during the time of the bubonic plague, people were dropping dead in the street, yes. right? They were dying before your very eyes. that's what they want us to think. Yeah, but nobody's dropping dead in the street. Nobody's dying before our very eyes. And quite frankly, what I would like to see more of is the the figures of people who go into hospital but then come out again, right? I had a guy on today whose elderly mother was taken into hospital with, with COVID earlier in the year she, she, despite the fact that she was in her mid-80s, despite, despite the fact that she was quite ill and she was in hospital for three to four weeks, she recovered yeah. and she came out. And that's what happens to 99%
2: of people. Yeah, it, it's uh, the central narrative that this government uh, obsessively promotes, which is this is a dreadful health pan- pandemic. Millions of us will die. P- uh, you know, bubonic plague. Yeah, but have a test ret- even if you haven't got any symptoms if yeah, you don't know who's yeah, got it. Yeah, it's that's wrong. How deadly it is. It, their central narrative is wrong. It's a lie, mm. and it's quite clearly being propagated by them but to back up uh, their drastic approach to it at the start. Mm. They're trying to justify what they did at the beginning by carrying on being drastic, and uh, but it's time to stop I think it's, I think it's because
1: they've still basically been bewitched by the likes of Chris Whitty, who made his first appearance for a long time, by the way, last night, because he hadn't been seen for a while. Yeah. But they've now fallen into this other argument, which is, oh, we're all going to be saved by the vaccine. Isn't yeah. it going to be great? You see, the Russians came out with a vaccine today yeah. um, and they're saying that they're going to flog it for $10 per hit, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, if you want to get yourself a Russian vaccine, be my guest. I'm not sure I would recommend it, but uh, they are going to be selling it in different yeah. parts of the world. Yeah. They'll sell it in the Middle East. They'll probably sell it in China. They may well sell it in uh, parts of the Far East as well mm-hmm. um, because it's a lot cheaper, frankly.
2: Well, um the thing about the vaccines, uh, the, the government is like, well, Boris is, is uh, uh, sort of gathering around this good vaccine news, mm. you, you know, l- l- massively. And, you know, I don't want to be uh, a sort of uh, pessimistic about this? I'm sure it's all going to be great and all that. Well, I'm not sure. Uh, but but, but, but let, let's just remember. I'm sure, it's going to be great. No, the, actually, I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure because there are three vaccines, right. wonder vaccines. They're going to save the world. Can I just point out? None of them have been approved. Yeah. None of them. Mm. Uh, yeah. And uh, AstraZeneca. Oh, I'm sure they will be. Though. AstraZeneca. It is just to prove the kind of world we're in here. These big pharma companies. Mm. What they're really about is making tons and tons yeah. of money. And there's a lot of money in the coronavirus vaccine. So AstraZeneca announced two days ago, we've done it! We've found the vaccine! It's 70% successful. It's got a 70% success rate. Mm. Uh, AstraZeneca's share price promptly plummeted right. because uh, Pfizer's and Moderna's have got a 90% right. success but rate. Nobody actually so guess knows what, what AstraZeneca did today? They announced, oh, no, we got it wrong. It's 90%. <laughs> My ass. Yeah, but that's like
1: some of these statements that they put out. Uh, from all sorts of government agencies and government organisations. So oh, I got that wrong. Do you remember the woman who came out and said, Susan Hopkins, I think it was, yeah. who came out and said, oh, it'll be um, two days for every one day that you have for Christmas that we'll have to punish you. Uh, and then they went, oh, no, she got that wrong. It's five. Yeah, yeah. she meant to say five. She yeah. didn't mean to say two.
2: Really? Are you sure about well, this? Well, this whole thing about Christmas is it's central to the equation. Uh, you know, it's not just about this alleged disease and the threat of it. This is about the philosophy of the way uh, a free Western country should be governed. Mm. They cannot and must not interfere in how we spend Christmas and with whom we choose to spend Mm. Christmas. It has got fuck all to do with the government. Yeah, except that, Kevin, if they do
1: not interfere with what we do, then how is that in any way defensible by the use of the science because if the science tells them that for the rest of the year apart from five days around christmas they have to tell us how to behave then clearly it means that actually they don't have to tell us how to behave yeah. because they're not doing it for Christmas. Yeah. Why would they do it for the rest of the time?
2: Yeah, I mean, they are, don't get me wrong, they are going to interfere mm. in our Christmas. They all keep saying well, they're Christmas, try. Christmas won't be normal this year. I'll tell you what, Boris, it fucking well will for yeah. loads and loads well, of it people will be. i are going met... to ignore everything you say.
1: I haven't met anyone yet who says that they're not going to have a normal Christmas. Yeah. Everyone right. I know is having a normal Christmas, whatever I that mean, is. I was
2: listening to your show this morning. Again, John Rentoul, excellent guy, uh, always a good uh, listen. Uh, but he's sort of putting forward... He, he listens to the polls a lot. He keeps putting yeah, yeah. forward lots and lots of people want stricter mm. uh, restrictions. They want stricter measures. Yeah. I don't believe that. No. And I do not believe people support any more I lockdowns. mean, I
1: do see occasional kind of you know musings on social media by people who have those views. And there are people who are genuinely worried about their elderly relatives and all of that. But that's fine. They don't have to do anything. It's, it's not like we're saying to them, right, well, now you have to invite me and Kevin O'Sullivan into your house so we can drink yeah. the place dry, cough all over you, and then leave. That's
2: not what's happening. Uh, Sir Desmond Swain, that uh, redoubtable backbench yes. Tory, good guy, was on my, good guy. Night, yeah. on my show. I heard him last night. Well, did, did you hear what he said? He said, look... Uh, I've got a very elderly mother. Mm. Uh, I want her to come I'm going to invite her to my house for yeah. Christmas. Uh, but she's obviously very vulnerable. It is her decision yeah. whether or not she wants to come to my house. Mm. It's not mine, it's not the government's. No. You know this is a western democracy exactly right. you cannot well, interfere in our Over in America. Lives like I
1: mean this. you'll remember this is Thanksgiving week, right? So normally speaking the whole of America basically grinds to an entire halt. I used to go I used to have a nightmare at Thanksgiving because I would mm. always go to see my kids when they were living there and unfortunately their mother was never very much help at sort of getting them anywhere close to where I was going to yeah. be. So I'd have to usually fly to somewhere like, you know, Philadelphia, hire a car, drive to Washington, D.C., go through acres and acres of traffic out towards <laughs> Western Virginia yeah. where they lived, yeah. and then try and get them back to a train that I could get on. And <laughs> I nearly missed the final last train out of there to Connecticut. And I would only ever go for like three or four days. It was absolutely fucking nightmare. <laughs> right? But, you know, it's a proper Not holiday. giving
2: Thanksgiving yeah, for that. it's a proper
1: <laughs> holiday, right? And... Um, my, my sister, Mari, who you know well, yeah. um, is having a little Thanksgiving thing. But my mother, who's now 96, right, and is certainly frail. I mean, she's as strong as an ox in a way because she's now fallen twice and the doctors are like, you should be dead. But she's okay.
2: She's got two friends. I don't friends. think your mum's ever going to die. No, I she's, know.
1: Well, people say. He's indestructible. It's going to be her and Keith Richard at the end of the world. <laughs> of the world. The you know.
2: like Keith Richard's given up smoking. Has <laughs> he? Why? What for? Yeah, he's about 90. Oh, yeah, I was thinking, I've done myself a bit yeah. of damage. You I, reckon? I just found out they're bad for yeah, you. Yeah, do you reckon,
1: Keith? <laughs> you know. um, I think he's given up all drink apart from oh, beer as that's well. That's so
2: depressing. I know, it
1: really is. But, you know, she's got two friends coming in from um, the city, from New York. Both of whom she said, look, if you don't want to come, because I think there's a a, a similar kind of thing in place where you're not really supposed to travel. Um, But she said, look, if if you're happy to come, we're happy to have you. And my mother said to, to my sister, of course, I'd want them to come because I want to have some company. You know, can you imagine if she was on her own? Never mind just with my sister, yeah. you know, with nobody to see, nobody to talk to. That's, what, that's not what most people want if they're old. And it's not what most people want, even with the risk that yeah. they're going to run. They'll go there. She said they won't have any contact with her. They'll sit around the d- dining table reasonably well spaced out. And it'll be fine.
2: But it's their you know, decision. And it's
1: their. But it, they're taking that decision. Mm-hmm. And my mother, in particular, is making the decision for herself because she wants some company.
2: We've got a big mission creep going on on this side of the Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, and that is a government and a prime minister who have forgotten that it isn't their business to interfere in our personal They've lives. They've definitely got the taste As for it. As you said they? this morning, Mike. Uh, apparently, uh, couples can have sex together, but they can't play tennis. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is Listen, what. I'm going to be against
1: is. that, to be honest, because yeah. I'm not a big fan of tennis.
2: Game, set, and match you that's know. fucked you.
1: But somebody did put a, a question mark over the on, on Twitter saying, "Can you fuck your wife on a tennis court?" <laughs> I'm not quite sure what the answer is to that. There'll be some regulation against it, no doubt. Maybe it yeah. it'd have to be your own tennis yeah,
2: court. Yeah, that's forty
1: love. <laughs> Juice. But you know, the thing is, it's it's reached ridiculous proportions now, where 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 you just there are, there is there are reasons like the, that. Poor woman up in. Um, um, uh, Worcestershire, who we've been getting on the The show. shop lady, yeah. The shop lady, who's, who's basically just the salt of the earth, kind of person that you want on your side in any situation in, in this country and, and what this country used to be made up of. You know, not the dozy police officers who yeah. came in and said, well, I've got this bit of paper here says that you've got to shut the shop. You know, she's going,
2: no, bollocks, I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know, yeah, get yeah, lost. Yeah, you know, yeah. find me then and watch me not pay. And let's just quickly talk about some, you know, I mean, it seems to me now, I can't think of any other... Uh, explanation, except the government's got it in for pubs and restaurants. Yeah. They don't want us to enjoy ourselves anymore. Yeah. What's they, about? Dis- they think three-quarters of our pubs, 75% of all pubs and restaurants, mm. are going to close down because of what's happening Jesus. to them. Uh, and the theatres, by the way, theatres in the West yeah, End, yeah. you know, this is the jewel of one of These the jewels. These are massive business This is one of the jewels of our country. This is, The West End mm. is the finest theatre land in the entire world. Right. Everyone knows that. And... Uh, Last week, I, I picked up the Evening Standard, the local London paper, and I was confused because there were all these adverts for the pantos and mm. Christmas specials at right. all the theatres, how to get tickets. So I got Matt Hemley onto my show on Sunday, yeah. uh, and he's uh, the news editor of The Stage, the theatrical by oh, the, yeah. uh, newspaper. And uh, I said, what's going on? I, thought I didn't, I didn't realise the theatres were open. And he said, well, at this stage they're not. This is just a hope. Anyway,
1: so what they're selling tickets for something that might Well,
2: I think if you try to get them, they'll Mm. say, well, they're not quite available now. They're just they're placing adverts for productions that may well not go on. And now uh, they're once again feel that they won't be able to. open. So they're hoping against hope there'll be uh, light at the end of the tunnel on Thursday. But I don't think there will. And that's another industry that's going to die.
1: But then do you remember that big row about Arsene Wenger because he appeared at London Palladium? Um, in an interview for his book, yeah. and there were loads of people in the audience, all of which we were told later by the organisers were properly socially distanced. How can something like that go ahead yeah. if nothing else can open? I don't understand how people can always make these little ex- exceptions.
2: Well, you know, remember Arsene Wenger? Every time that Arsenal an Arsenal player fouled someone, terribly, he didn't see. He it. never saw it. Well, he probably didn't see the audience. No, he well, probably did it. There was didn't a big see audience the there, Arsene. I no, didn't I didn't see it. Didn't see
1: it. No, I mean it's very, but it's very strange, and it, you know, if this lockdown goes. To the end of its time on December the second, but then becomes a worse lockdown because yeah. technically it it's could. it's worse. For because you actually know. a tier three is worse than what we have now. Yeah, yeah. yeah because nobody would be going anywhere.
2: For lots of people, it's going to be a worse lockdown. This is uh, he, what Boris. You know, we said earlier he didn't really announce anything. He didn't announce announce anything concrete. But what he sort of uh, announced in principle was we're going to be locked down until Easter, and he can fuck off.
1: Right. He also, I think, said that lots of local authorities, all of these little Hitlers, are going to have yeah. even more strength
2: um, and ability, which prospect. is very, very you worrying. You know what indeed. they're like with their high-vis jackets. Oh, I know,
1: I know. Get back into your house! Yeah, what are you doing out? What you are Put you doing those lights out! out. <laughs> well, what about this other ludicrous thing where the people who are going to football matches now will be told that they can't basically speak or sing? So how's that going to work?
2: what's the point of going to a football match if there's only a thousand of you there I know. anyway? I know. It's ridiculous. We've got to get out of all this. This is crazy. This, this condition, this COVID-19 coronavirus uh, Kung flu as, mm. as uh, Donald Trump yeah. likes to call it uh, does not warrant all of this it no. does not warrant what they're doing to this country, uh, the economic catastrophe hurtling down the track is going to be like nothing we've ever experienced before, mm. Rishi Sunak people keep going, oh he's great he's yeah, yeah. great. you wait, in about six well, he's months he's great
1: as long as he's got our money yeah, to give yeah, away you
2: wait in about six months, he's already starting mm. to uh, indicate that we're going to have to start paying for this, no public right. sector pay rises uh, and all sorts of well, other... Well, mind you, ris- I
1: agree with that. There should be no public.
2: Well, no, no, but, but but this all has to be paid mm. for. Rishi Sunak is going to go from hero to zero pretty damn fast. Mm.
1: He really is. I think we're out of time because uh, we've got lots to do. Uh, a lot of you saying that we should do more of these. We will be trying to do more of them. Uh, but at the moment, it's just one a week, I'm afraid. Um, and we'll see you next week with the Thought Police. <laughs> It's like people that I meet, and you've played a bit of golf in your time, people who cheat at golf. Yes. You kind of go, you're not really cheating me. You're now cheating yourself. What is the point? You know, if you're going to finish, I mean, when I used to play, I've told the story before, I used to play in this European Press Golf Association with my, with my dad when I was a bit younger. And there was this old German guy um, whose name was something like Ralph, somebody or other. Um, and you'd literally not see him from the tee to the green. And then <laughs> he'd say he'd, four. And he'd go, funf. Everything was fumf, he became known as Ralph Fumf because everything was five. He almost whatever he putted in, and you'd be seen him hacking away in the woods. You know, he's taken at least ten shots to get out of the fucking woods, and he's got five. Yeah, the golfers, you know.
2: the golfers are more footballers than I golfers. They kick the ball. And to be fair, that's around. what they say about Trump. Is Trump's it? the Trump, kicker of the ball? Uh, yeah. kick, kicks the ball over. Listen to the polls a lot you keep yeah, yeah. Forward, lots and lots of people want stricter mm. uh, restrictions they want stricter measures yeah. i don't believe that no. and i do not believe people support any more lockdown. i mean i do
1: see occasional kind of you know musings on social media by people who have those views and there are people who are genuinely worried about their elderly relatives and all of that. But that's fine. They don't have to do anything. It's, it's choice, not like right? we're saying to the right, well, now you have to invite me and Kevin O'Sullivan into your house so we can drink the place dry, cough all over you, and then leave.
2: That's not what's happening. Uh, that's Sir Desmond Swain, that uh, redoubtable backbench to yes. Tory, good guy, was on my, a good guy. Night, yeah. on my show. I heard him
1: last night.
2: Well, did, did you hear what he said? He said, look... Uh, I've got a very elderly mother. Mm. Uh, I want her to come. I'm going to invite her to my house for Christmas. Uh, But she's obviously very vulnerable. It is her decision whether or not she wants to come to my house. Mm. It's not mine. It's not the government's. (laughs) By the way, I've been thinking, uh, how am I going to spend that 10 quid that Mike Graham owes me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, as I said to you, until the actual fat lady (laughs) sings, you will not be getting any of my money.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer! a hand-clapper, a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket?